Hello, hello, testing. Is this thing on? And action. Welcome, compatriots, to another episode of Cake and Kombucha. I am your host, Kelechi Azier, and I'm here to bring you the news, the goss, the hot hot tips, and, you know, also things that really don't matter but are interesting, irrelevant, random, entertaining, or just in 2020 depressing, you know, because... A lot of the news covers all those bases. What can we say? So before we toss ourselves right into the abyss of what is this crazy-ass news cycle, I want to say one thing about the vice presidential debate before we get into it later. Uh, For those of us who have read young adult fiction, fantasy, we were nerds like that, we know exactly what that fly was on Mike Pence's head. That was his familiar. He's a witch, and that's where he keeps his soul. He's a warlock. That's why he calls his wife mother. I mean, I actually don't know that that's what witches and warlocks do, but I just feel like he has an Oedipal relationship with his wife and he keeps his soul in a fly. It's very simple. Let's get into the first crazy news story. It's it's so crazy that I can't even believe I'm saying it, but they tried to kidnap Big Gretch, y'all. Gretchen Whitmer, who is a really fine governor. She's one of the finest politicians that I have seen. She looks like Wonder Woman. She looks like a thick Wonder Woman. Um, But that's neither here nor there. We already know how I feel about that. I just think that I hadn't heard that much about her, and I was just surprised it hadn't come up, because when I saw her on TV the first time, I was like, whoa. Just red lip fierce, curves fierce. We We stand for Big Gretch. Big Gretch looks out for the people, and... That's why they tried to kidnap her. Um, So the Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel on Thursday announced felony charges against seven members or associates of the Wolverine Watchmen, accusing them of making threats towards officials and supporting plans for terrorist acts. Um, I read the entire affidavit. Um, It was like... You know, just like 15 pages, you could look it up. But they basically had an informant infiltrate their ranks, an informant from the FBI. And these guys were having meetings, buying explosives, buying IEDs, and plotting to find Gretchen Whitmore's, sorry, Whitner's um, summer home or her official, there's an official government summer residence for the governor's house. And then she has like her actual like summer home that she owns. They cased her property. They had a plan to kidnap her and torture her. And they also alluded to the fact that they would be okay if she was murdered. Like, if if anything bad happens, like death, that's fine too. But they bought tasers. They bought bombs. They originally started organizing on Facebook. Um, The founders are Joseph Morrison, 26, and Pete Musico, 42, who live together in Munich, Michigan. Um... They, the Morrison, the mission, militia's commander went by Boogaloo Bunyan online. And so Boogaloo, for those of you who like to keep your brain clear of terror um, and just things to keep you up at night, a Boogaloo is a term that has circulated the internet for a number of years now for like the ultimate like race war clash that these militia people are going to initiate. Um, So they're anti-government. They also wanted to kidnap members of law enforcement which I think is funny because now we know the two of them were ex-Marines. I'm not saying Marines are law enforcement, but it's just, 
I think there's going to be more to come, and I've seen it tweeted. There's the account Angry Staffer, Angry White House Staffer online, the anonymous account, and he has confirmed that we should look out more for connections between these people and the government because local and state governments, I mean, hopefully that's as far as it goes up because there are some questions about why certain people like this aren't targeted when their movements are very broad. So these are the same people, in case you're wondering, who stormed the the state house in Michigan in April with weapons, did not get arrested, are yelling in cops' faces and things like that. And yes, they got away. They, you know, they're allowed to do these things because they're white um, and be unbothered. But also, there is a question of of perhaps some law enforcement condoning or even being a part of these things. And I think there will be more to come. We've already heard of a Michigan sheriff who said on the record, we don't know yet what these men wanted to do. Maybe they wanted to arrest her. And there is a thing as a citizen's arrest still in Michigan. This sheriff, whose name is Leaf, and he is, um, it just says he's a sheriff in Michigan. I, TMZ doesn't even, they're like, we are not even to tell you where this asshole is actually located. Oh no, Barry County Sheriff Dar Leaf. He said that, Lots of people wanted her arrested, which, like, if you think about it, does that mean that it's okay um, to kidnap her? He said that he was shocked by the arrest. He didn't see it coming. He said that they are nice and respectful guys. Um, I don't... But then, like, wouldn't trying to blow up everything and kidnap someone be... When do white people get to be not considered nice and respectful? I just want to make sure I know what the rules are because for us, you know, we can't kneel and protest. We can't silently protest. We can't protest out loud. We can't peacefully protest. We can't just say that we don't like things, but you're nice and respectful. The benefit of the doubt that you're nice and respectful extends to even after you try to kidnap your governor. Okay. Um, and he's also shared the stage with two of these two guys in specific, the ones he's talking about are Michael Null and William Null. Um, he shared the stage with them at a protest in May. So perhaps they wanted to arrest her because, because she made people, she's let's, I want to go over exactly what she did to piss people, piss people off. She told them they could not go to Hobby Lobby because I started following this when I was sick with coronavirus still and recovering and being like, what the hell is going on in our country? Not even covering, rather. I wasn't recording. I had taken a break from recording the podcast for you guys, but I was uh, reading all this for myself, and they were really mad because I didn't really know that Michigan had, you know, each state is different, and our beautiful, you know, purple mountains majesties, we have different climates and different environments in every state. So I didn't know that Michigan or Michiganders had like, well, the middle class and upper middle class ones have, um, you know, like a lot of boats and just like boat life is a big thing. And they like to take care of their lawns. It's like, I guess maybe more than other people. I don't know. But all I know is the governor said they couldn't just go buy fertilizer and yawn. I can't talk. Yard stuff. I was going to say yard and lawn. So yard but, and, and they, they lost their minds. They were so mad. They were so mad. And she was canceling like the boating stuff. And I think now we know that open air activities are better, but at the time it was just more like the economy that supports 
all these activities, you know, the store, they're not essential. We need to close the stores. We need to close the rental shops, all that kind of thing. I mean, I remember the first time I went in a bike shop, it was a huge deal and I didn't even realize they would be open. And then I was like, oh, I guess bikes are actually transportation. And it has become my main mode of transportation. But guess what's not my main mode of transportation? A lawnmower. So, yeah. So anyway, that's why they hate her. And then she got into with with uh, Donald Trump. She was one of the governors that he's been targeting when he talks about how badly uh, certain Democrat-led areas are hit with COVID, which if you look at the, that's racist, honestly, because what's drives up, what had really driven up COVID numbers for Michigan is Detroit and Flint and places like that. I mean, it's all ties down to being racist one way or another. It's all, it's everything and it's nothing. It's like everything he says is so problematic in so many different ways that you could just draw endless like Venn diagrams of how, but anyway, they have been having their back and forth sparring and he is someone that, you know, she is one of his, you know, targets that he maligned. And so to say that there's not a coincidence uh, or not a coincidence to say that there's not a direct connection between her becoming this figure that they want to kidnap and torture. So then let me read how she responded and how he responded. I'm also going to add some translations. So she started with, good afternoon. Earlier today, Attorney General Dana Nessel was joined by officials from the Department of Justice and the FBI to announce state and federal charges against 13 members of two militia groups who were preparing to kidnap and possibly kill me. When I put my hand on the Bible and took the oath of office 22 months ago, I knew this job would be hard, but I'll be honest, I never could have imagined anything like this. Okay, that was that was probably a terrible Michigan accent, but the translation is, I wanted to run for government to make the world a better place in the state of Michigan, which is not like going on to the battlefield with Al-Qaeda directly. I had no fucking idea that in exchange for me being a governor, I would have to deal with bullshit and insanity of this magnitude. Fuck all of you, even those of you whose fault it is not. Fuck you. That's what I heard. Um, then she goes on to thank the FBI, thank the Michigan State Troopers. Um, she said, where's the part where she just started dragging Donald Trump? Um, she said, just last week, the President of the United States stood before the American people and refused to condemn white supremacists and hate groups like these two Michigan militia groups. Stand back and stand by, he told them. Stand back and stand by. Hate groups heard the president's words, not as rebuke. This is me. I mean, it wasn't a rebuke. Literally, what the fuck does telling someone to stand by mean? What is a standby? In theater, a standby is someone who's ready to get on stage when, you know, someone breaks their legs or is sick or whatever. I don't... Standing... We all speak English. It's so annoying to have to, like, get into these conversations where we're parsing what he means it means one thing it means get ready um sorry okay back to back to Gretchen uh they heard it as a call to action when our leaders speak their words matter they carry weight um 1981 President Ronald Reagan spoke to the NAACP's annual convention and his comments stand in sharp contrast to what we have seen on the national stage I don't know why we have to talk about what this racist said um 
A few isolated groups in the backwater of American life still hold perverted notions of what America's about. I mean, no, like we literally started from slavery. It's not, I can't wait till we get rid of the narrative that it's like a minority opinion to be racist. But anyway, she said she's been making tough choices about making the state safe. Um, and then she kind of went back to reminding people that, hey, 210,000 people have died and you're still going to wear masks and do what the fuck I tell you to do. And so what did the president do? Like any rational, sane person that's not trying to incite more violence, he got on Twitter and started criticizing her more. He said that, his first tweet, Governor Whitmer of Michigan has done a terrible job. She locked down her state for everyone except her husband's voting activities. Like, that's not true. Um, the federal government provided tremendous help to the great people of Michigan. I mean, we know that's not true because the federal government didn't tremendously help anyone. So easy. Just fact-checking off the cuff. My, ju my Justice Department and federal law enforcement announced today that they foiled a dangerous plot against the governor of Michigan. Rather than say thank you, she calls me a white supremacist. Um, he also criticized her later on an appearance on Hannity's show, Sean Hannity, who's also a demon spawn. Um, he said she does her little political act and she keeps her states closed. Then he falsely tied school and church closures to her w when the case is that schools decided for themselves rather to have in-person instruction and churches have been exempt from any COVID restrictions and many COVID restrictions in the state and have been having church. Um, I don't even like, I want to remind you guys that in April Trump tweeted liberate Michigan Every time I think that I have seen the extent of what he's going to do, I'm shocked. I, I I'm, would be lying to you right now if I said I wasn't shocked that he got on the internet to criticize someone who was kidnapped some more. Like, I kind of thought that if the militia groups that you know are fans of yours literally just tried to kill this woman, you wouldn't get on the internet and continue to say things that make them want to kill her some more. I just thought that, I don't know where, who was going to step in? Like, I just, there's just so many, there's just so many things wrong. And I guess we're just, I guess we've just been letting them, letting them slide for years, but that's what happened there. And I'll be back with more updates because that's certainly one of the more strange and exciting. I mean, I don't want to say exciting in a voyeuristic way, but I mean, that's fucking crazy. So we will definitely cover that more as things develop. And I would not be surprised to find out what rinky-dink sheriffs and, you know, local law enforcement were actually involved in the plot. So two weeks ago, Tori Lanez uh, released an album called Daystar, which Andre G., who writes for Complex, said, is a project too contemptible to be evaluated on any musical scale. And I really appreciate that, because in the whole can we separate the artist from the art conversation, he sliced right through that, and Andre said, no, and fuck you for asking. Um, the lyrics on this album, which I did not listen to because I didn't want to give it a stream, include things like, Megan people trying to frame me for a shooting on that very 
basic titled song, Money Over Fallouts. And he also has questioned things in public, like how the fuck you get shot in your foot, don't hit no bones or tendons. And then he also asked, if you got shot from behind, how can you identify me? Um, and the sad thing is that these are the things that people on the internet are really, have been really struggling with. They really, you know, people put their internet detective hats on, their inspector gadget gear, and they, you know, you know how the internet works. People become doctors, they become surgeons, they become, you know, philosophers, they... It's it's very interesting. So, I mean, to address Tory Lane's questions, asking how I know you shot me if it was from behind is like asking, like, if we're the only two people in the house and I get smacked in the face with a hand size, a human handprint, how do you know it was me and not our pet, our pet turtle? Like, I don't... Is that an intelligent question? Is that something... And then, are you saying that you have... What do you say how the fuck... You got shot in your foot. Don't hit no bones or tendons. Are you, do you, are you saying the entire foot is made up of... I don't... Also, like, did you... Did you go to the hospital with her to look at her? I really hear that as saying, like, well, I meant to absolutely destroy your ability to walk again or dance again or have a career, but because you still can... I guess it didn't work. Like, honestly, to me, that question is telling on yourself. But, I mean, thank God that the human body can be strangely resilient or just... I feel like our body either you go, you know, you get fall off Niagara Falls and get thrown around in a tornado, you're okay, or you're that one person that gets hit once at, a, at your pressure point and you die. All that is to say is that there's very few things that I've ever said, oh my God, no one could ever recover from that. They're faking it. Because people recover from miraculous things, they also die from mundane things. And it's just very stupid and basic of you to be like, she can walk like three weeks, three months later, so I didn't shoot her. Like, what the hell? So I just give you that background information to know why I am, why I cannot wait for this man to get deported. Um, because he is Canadian and you can't come into our country and shoot up our national treasures and think you're just going to stay here and going to Canada is not a punishment by any means. And I know this is not where you expect it to go to, to hear jingoistic rhetoric, but if I may participate in a little bit of, um, xenophobia right now, this nigga needs to just go back, eat some maple syrup candies and shut the fuck up. Like I cannot believe you tried to do this and it almost worked but I honestly think you got too ahead of yourself because what you don't know is that while lots of people in the world hate black women and treat them as completely expendable, Megan Thee Stallion is also a very fascinating uh, figure who writes really ratchet, ratchet lyrics, was influenced by her mom, who was her biggest role model in her life, who's a rapper too, who passed away, is an advocate for girls going to college and finishing their education. And is also a kind of totem of us owning our sexuality. So there's a lot of people who listen to her that I, this Tory Lane's probably underestimated, and I feel like he bragged about it too much. 
and he made, let me put it like this. I feel like hip hop, ratchet music, it is mainstream now. Like Cardi B is mainstream. More so than when, you know, in the early 2000s and mid 2000s when I was, you know, a teenager and stuff. So I don't really, I don't think some people aren't getting that yet. You know, I think there are age, perhaps some age gaps in mainstream music. Like I could not have identified Shawn Mendes in a lineup until like two days ago. I happened to accidentally look at him. And so there's like the people that, you know, are more for tweens, perhaps whatever, but what I'm trying to say is that there's an attorney general, Tory Lanez, who listens to WAP on repeat when she's working out or driving in her car or like rapping to herself like Issa Rae. And when you start bragging about shooting one of her faves, you're going to get deported. It's just not smart. And I don't know why you continue all to, why y'all continue to rap about your crimes. But I'm glad that you did because you're tacky and I hate you and you're a monster. And now the DA's office in L.A. has hit him with one count of assault with a semi-automatic firearm and one count of carrying a loaded, unregistered firearm in a vehicle. Um, the DA also alleges that Tory inflicted great bodily injury, and if he's convicted, he faces up to 22 years and eight months in prison. I don't care how long he goes to prison. I... You know, I am happy that this is a black man that's getting uh, charged. Everybody can at me. He shot this woman, and he shot her because they got in an argument. This is someone who's willing to kill women when he's mad at them or maim them or destroy their careers and their livelihoods. Like, fuck this person. We don't need him. He can go to the garbage. I don't... I, I can't even imagine what you could be possibly arguing about that would make you shoot someone in the foot and the fact that so many people on the internet are willing to actually engage in that argument shows that I don't know what kind of threshold you have in your life for the way people are supposed to treat you, but guess what? You're really not, you're just not supposed to get shot over disagreements. You're not. So three hours ago, literally three hours ago today, um, Tory Lane shared a picture of his son and wrote this caption on Instagram. I'll never let anything or anybody stop me from being a real role model and great father in your life. Uh, I'm going to finish reading. I will discuss after. You would be heartbroken if I ever went anywhere. I'll always be with you. You're my everything, Kai. And of course, your is spelled Y-O-U-R. You're my everything, Kai, and I love and got you forever. The way men use words. Not all men. The way a lot of men use language is really interesting to me. Everything is always stopping them. Everything is always happening to them. Who put the gun in your hand and made you shoot someone, dumbass? I'll never let anything or anybody stop me from being a real role model and a great father in your life. So does that mean that like you reserve the right to shoot people in the foot and still be considered a good role model? Or does it mean you don't want anyone to stop you from shooting people because that's what you consider being a good role model? What are you being stopped from and who's stopping? And like, are they helping or hurting? Because to my understanding, you were not being a good role model and you got stopped for that. It's just so corny. Like, I cannot believe you're using this really cute kid now 
to garner sympathy for maiming a woman. This is in, insane. What are you, is this, is this something that you expect will go to court and be like, well, he made an Instagram post about how he has a son, so please don't, don't, put, don't put him in jail, your honor. What the hell? And I just made the mistake of reading the comments under, and there are people defending him. I'm sure he didn't do it. Someone said, I want to know why they didn't say he had gun residue at the time of the arrest. I'm sorry. At an, an arrest, people just arrest you. You don't, there's not a full forensic report done at, that's like, what, is there like a disease, is like, are the, are the youth so sonically deprived that they're really attached to this man? Go ask your older cousins to make you a playlist, okay? The man remixes Brownstone and The Dream, and I'm not going to lie and say that when I first listened to like one of his albums, I was like, this is fine for jogging to like, great. Like he has a lot of cameos from people that I actually like. He's like a curator of sorts, but we will live without him. And you can just go listen to the original songs. Take a nap. What the hell? Ask to have somebody make you a mixtape on a cassette. Like this is crazy. Okay. This is another wild story. So for those of you outside of New York city, um, we had, you know, done had the worst struggle with COVID in the country, and we turned a corner and had very, very low rates, and those rates are now on the rise. Um, you know, we were seeing under 1% in some areas, and now it's up to 10% in certain neighborhoods, and that's terrifying. And those neighborhoods correlate with the highest Orthodox Jewish populations or Hasidic populations. Um, now, with the government trying to intervene and get that under control, there have been protests and mass burnings and attacks. Um, one such person, Jacob Cornblow, who lived in a Hasidic neighborhood in Brooklyn, he is a journalist and he was filming um, and he found himself pinned to the wall of a store as dozens of fellow Orthodox Jews began yelling at him, calling him a moiser, which means a snitch. Maskless men spit in his face. They called him a Nazi. They're flipping him off, saying he deserves to die. This is all because he was filming as people were having... There were... <laughs> this isn't shady. It is shady. I'm sorry. I'm not, like, against shading religions. I just... I can't... Organized religions are the ones that restrict people. A lot of things happen when you separate people and force them to act as a group. It's just... It never turns out well. But they're... There's some videos of some all-male, as is the custom, dance parties out in the middle of the street. And, you know, I guess I'm just not used to that outside of a gay club as being, like, the thing that you want to do with your time when you're rebelling. And that's that's just me. That's my vantage point. Um, but, so parties all night, three nights in a row of burning masks in the street. So just, this isn't like a... I don't want to do it. I don't feel like doing it. This is a, I really feel like this is against my civil rights situation again. I just think across the board from, you know, from the, the right-wing conservative South to this situation. Now, if you, these uh, Hasidic Jewish populations in Brooklyn, they actually did vote for Trump in 2016, which is, should not at all be confused with the, the rest of the non-Orthodox Jewish population, which is largely 
well, definitely New York City, like, or New York State, largely Democrat. Um, so it's a totally separate thing, but, like, it's just, I mean, I guess you, that is one connection. You know, all the people that don't want to wear masks, they are Trump supporters, so that is a connection. But other than that, it's, it's culturally, it's you don't see a lot of similarities in, like, why this would be so upsetting, right? It's very interesting. Um, so this journalist who was attacked, he has offered a few reasons why he thinks the defiance is so strong and admittedly says that also that it is difficult to entangle. Um, there's a history of government distrust, mistrust, a sense the pandemic has passed, which is, yeah, it had got better, but you never wore masks or did what you're supposed to do, so now it's worse. Like, I don't get that. And a feeling that lawmakers should stay out of their religious activities, um, this has interestingly turned into the same shadiness between de Blasio and Cuomo, you know, Cuomo criticizing de Blasio for not doing enough. Um, Cuomo said very plainly, like, well, if you feel like, you know, this is new or different, you were supposed to be doing it all along. So basically it's not anything special that I'm asking you now. But on Tuesday he asked, um, schools to close. He shut down non-essential businesses and he imposed, Strict capacity limits on religious gatherings. Um, and then he, uh, let's see, this is a lawmaker, Orthodox Jewish lawmaker, Isaac Stein, wrote that we, in a statement that we are appalled by Governor Cuomo's words and actions today. He has chosen to pursue a scientifically and constitutionally questionable shutdown of our communities. I really don't think it's scientifically questionable anymore that if you have large unmasked gatherings, it's a it makes COVID escalate. I'm I don't. Oh, let's see. We are not going to be deprived of every of the right we have in America, like everybody else, to observe our religion. The churches in my neighborhoods are not closed. Like, and we all know I don't go to church, but I like think about going to church a lot, and I sometimes do want to go in there when I'm like really stressed out because it just has some some positive associations of like being with my family and being, you know, as a kid, it's just one of those things that you want to do something more when you like don't have to, and you have time to think about what it means to you. So there are some, a bunch of churches like down the street from me and they're all closed. So I don't really know what they're talking about. Um, let's see. That's all I have to say about that. America's burning. I, I just, I'm like, is, is New York about to be a place I don't want to be again? But then will I be trapped? It's it's very disheartening and confusing. I mean, I just don't... It's not religious persecution to tell you to shut down an activity that has a lot of people that happens to be religious. It doesn't matter what the activity is. It's one of those things that I guess if you're not religious, you can't see eye to eye on it. Because someone who's in the in the religion is going to think well, this is a religious activity. And someone who's not is going to be like, I don't care what it is. Stop doing it. It's not more important than any other activity. So how can we have that separation of church and state where you want to be free? You're free in America to do what you want to do. Now, obviously, that's, you know, with some caveats. And obviously, you're more free to do things without being bothered that are Christian. And that's true. But I'm saying, like, the agreement is you are free to do it because we don't put any single thing on a pedestal. We're not supposed to put these things on a pedestal, but I mean, I guess it's a huge 
topic for an entire podcast, but obviously we do have special exemption for religious things. And so it's an interesting question. Like you treat it like it's something revered and special and you, that we have to respect, even if you don't want to participate in it. And then when you tell them, and I'm not just talking about this religious group, I'm talking about any religious group. When you tell them, Hey, you got to do this thing that the rest of us are doing. Yeah. Then they can say, but like, no, I'm allowed to do this because it's more important. We know it's more important because I do this and I don't pay taxes and I, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's interesting to think about, but yeah, it don't, yeah, no, go home. Stop. This is crazy. It's crazy. It's, it's a disease that has killed many people in that community too. It's this like heaven's gate. Are you trying to die? Like it's, I just feel like we're all in some Jonestown mess and we'll get to that too with the, with the president. <sighs> Crikey. So I'm going to be really candid. It was disappointing that the president seems to have gotten better from coronavirus. That is what happened this week. Um, that may sound insensitive, and I, I don't. Well, frankly, my dear, I, I don't give a damn. Um, he, after last weekend where he went to the hospital, then his doctors came out and gave a really bizarrely coy, they might as well have had a fan fluttering in front of their face. <laughs> I don't know. Is he or isn't he a patient? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> Has he been admitted or is he just hanging out? <laughs> Only time will tell. <laughs> that is my impersonation of the doctors last weekend. But um, he, let's see. I mean, I would say that this week was really hard for people who have had coronavirus, have lost people to coronavirus. There's nothing surprising about the insensitivity that uh, was displayed, but I would say it was impressive. It was impressive to be able to be so callous and such an asshole to such a staggering degree constantly all the time. It just I just imagine, I just feel like that takes effort that I, I personally do not have. So anyway, uh, let's see, to start off with the ratchet things that happened this week, Donald Trump decided while he was like in the... Third, fourth, I don't know, fifth. We don't really know when he got sick, let's be real. Day of the virus, though, when he's clearly not, you know, he's not clear to be out of quarantine from people or out of isolation, he decided to get in his car and go wave to the people outside of the hospital who had lined up like weird zombie thirst trap queens, you know, obsessive, I don't know why they needed, not thirst trap, fan fangirls, stands. They decided to have signs and stuff outside of the hospital. So Donald Trump made his Secret Service get in the car with him in full PPE gear and drive around to say hi to them. Like, completely unnecessary. And if you think of everything that went on behind the scenes to get him ready to leave the house, the hospital, whatever, it involves a staff of people. Could you imagine, like, when you sign up to be, like, in the FBI or a Secret Service agent or CIA, like, I imagine... You know, at home, I, I loved Homeland. I can't believe it's over. So I'm, I'm imagining you have a combination of patriotism, but also like you put yourself in risky situations on behalf of your country. You're, you're traveling to remote locations. You might die in the line of fire. Okay, you might, you have agreed you're going to take a bullet for the president. That is not the same thing as the president killing you from reckless endangerment. That's embarrassing. That's just. There's just certain things I don't want in my obituary, and that's one of them. So I can't believe he put those people through that. Um, he consistently portrayed COVID as not a big deal. He said it's not something we should be afraid of. 
He told senior citizens that they don't have to worry about it that much. Um, he downplayed the staggering, uh, the staggering, um, really, really top of the line medications he received. Um, let's go over that. He, he called his, well, I'm going to find the exact phrase he used for his, um, hold on, I'll find the exact phrase he used for his treatment. Okay, so the med he said the medications that he took were standard, pretty routine. This is what he said to Maria Bartiromo, who's a total idiot, on Fox's Sunday Morning Futures. He said, this is a quote, the medications that I took were standard, pretty routine. I would like to remind everyone that the main medication for most coronavirus is nothing. It's a ventilator. Um, in fact, what the president received, according to the New York Times, is a cutting-edge combination treatment, remdesivir, which is an antiviral medication, dexamethasone, which is a steroid only recently shown to reduce death rates in severe cases, an experimental cocktail of monoclonal antibodies designed to turn back the virus shortly after infection. Now, that was also interesting because apparently the antibodies uh, for that, they're cloned. They came from stem cells uh, from a fetus that was aborted in 1972. And anti-abortion groups have stated that they do not think it's a problem that Trump used medication that came from stem cells from an aborted fetus because he was not involved in that actual abortion. I found that to be a little curious because I have not been involved with any abortions, but I also, but I support uh, women's right to choose. I just, I don't, I think most people like don't actually do abortions themselves. I don't know what, I don't know what I'm saying. I just, the logic wasn't hidden for me so hard. Anyway, um, he now insists that he's immune to the virus. It does give you immunity, the president said. That's not something that people know or else I would be running the streets. And they have also said that any immunity that you do have fades away in like three months. So I don't, and this is like the immunity that they're not sure you have. So yes, just to be really clear with how optimistic this is, the immunity that they're not really sure you have, they think would go away when the antibodies go away, which is three months. That's like what the CDC has said. Um... Let's see what else. Um, he also had an event on Saturday um, where he was on the balcony of the White House lawn. Sorry, he was on the balcony of the White House. He had invited up to 2,000 people to the White House lawn, and this was a part of um, Candace Owens' Blexit crew was supposed to show up. Um, 2,000 people registered. Only about 500 showed up. And... I, again, do you? why do you want the people who might vote for you to die? My question is, if you bring them to the White House, which is at this point is a super spreader hotspot with 36 cases coming out of it and counting, how are they going to vote for you if they're laid up in the bed or dead? It just doesn't seem so smart. Um, oh, one of the things I really appreciated him saying that was quite, you just got to appreciate the creativity sometimes. Um, it was last night, he said, he hadn't got his negative test back yet, but it was at the bottom of the scale or the lower numbers. This was news to me because I thought the test was a, was a yes or a no. I thought negative or positive were two choices. Um, apparently there's a scale in there. That's not what I, that, that's not, that's not what I knew. Um, 
Okay, so then we have President Trump's doctor releasing a memo saying he was no longer considered a transmission risk to others. And this is from Dr. Sean P. Conley, who's the coy, asshole, smarmy, the guy that gave that really misleading press conference last week. Um, And I wanted to read this for you just so you can see how relatable and accessible the level of care that the president has gotten is, how much it should make us all feel not scared of coronavirus, and how when we're making our risk assessments and when we can go back to work, all we have to do is look at the polymerase chain reaction. Um, You know, just amplify small segments of our DNA and see what's going on in there. Then we can make educated decisions about whether to stay away from our family or not. Um, So let's see. I'll read this to you. This evening, I am happy to report that in addition to the president meeting CDC criteria for the safe discontinuation of isolation, this morning's COVID PCR sample demonstrates by currently recognized standards, currently is like, uh, that makes me laugh because that could be like since yesterday. Um, He is no longer considered a transmission risk to others. Now at day 10 from symptoms onset, fever free for well over 24 hours, and all symptoms improved, the assortment of advanced diagnostic tests obtained reveal there is no longer evidence of actively replicating virus. In addition, sequential testing throughout his illness has demonstrated decreasing viral loads that correlate with increasing cycle threshold times, as well as decreasing and now undetectable subgenomic mRNA. Well, would you look at that? God is a good God. That's all you got to do, folks. You just got to... Take a look at your subgenomic mRNA, and then all your fears should be assuaged. I don't really know why. I don't know, like, why are we even stressed out about this? Um, Several experts, of course, expressed skepticism at the wording describing his diagnostic test, which did not explicitly categorize the president as negative, which is a pretty, you know, like, if you think about it, like, very simple conclusive that's a solid that's like a solid you know like negative no but that didn't happen um the subgenomic rna is a part of the virus that can be detected by laboratory techniques and suggests the presence of an actively replicating virus um but there are zero clear tests that look at subgenomic rna mRNA from the coronavirus. So that's just an experimental thing that they did. I mean, I had to look up like polymerase chain reaction. I remember it from like biology vaguely in high school. Like this guy purposely released a bunch of these things with big words. But also it's like, I mean, I feel like you're taking the gamble that, yeah, people aren't going to look it up and his supporters don't really care. But don't people think it's weird that there's a bunch of stuff that they don't know, you know, the words they don't know and haven't heard been used a lot in terms of treatment for coronavirus in reference to him? Like, I I know it's the president, but we really are just, like, it's we're just being so open that his life matters and ours doesn't. I think that that is really interesting that they are... But, you know, is that the kind of fanaticism that is totally fine for his supporters? I bet one of them would say, yeah, of course, he's a president. So, what do you, you know, maybe that absolutely lands well with his base, and I'm the asshole. 
A-I-T-A, am I the asshole? Haven't heard anything about Chris Christie. Um, the angry White House staffer Twitter account says that he's probably not on a ventilator, but again, like, what do we know here for sure? And the vice presidential debate to close out. We'll just cover that. It was boring. Um, Kamala Harris had not as many one-liners as she could have, but it was because she was really restrained by being a woman and being black. Um, the moderator was in cahoots with the devil, who is Mike Pence, who has a fly as a familiar. Um, she interrupted Kamala Harris to tell her when her time was up, but she let Mike Pence speak as long as he wanted to, pretty much, with, like, kind of fake, oh, but, oh, but please don't. And Kamala, she'd be like, Kamala, I want to remind you that you have one minute left. Kamala, I want to remind you if you have one minute, uh, you have 90 seconds left. Kamala, I want to remind you, you have that. She'd be like, yes, I do. And so I would like to talk and not keep having you remind me. Very odd, very suspect. And the moderator is indeed friends with Trump and Pence, as was no surprise, but a quick Google search yielded that. Um... Kamala's face is going viral with her facial expressions, and she had a lot of facial expressions to make because she couldn't say anything. She didn't want to appear as, you know, aggressive when trying to advocate for her own right to speak in a debate. Um, Pence lied, 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 lied. He lied. He really confused her talking points on purpose with Biden's, which were funny because it's like, well, yes, they ran against each other. That's what happens. That's what usually happens. And then they come together to make one ticket, and the person who's at the top of the ticket, that's whose policies are going to be the ones that happen. Um, but he really tried to confuse that issue and peg certain things that, well, a lot of things that neither of them had ever said, because, of course, lies, why not? But also things that maybe, like, Kamala had been more amenable to try to attribute that to Joe Biden. She'd be like, Joe never said that. Um, she, her famous lines were, I'm speaking, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. And then there was also a moment where someone asked, you know, would you take the, the, any vaccine that comes out? And she said, if the scientists say I should take it, absolutely, I will take it. If Donald Trump says to take it, <laughs> I'm not taking it. And it was concise and it was great. I feel like she worked a lot on concision. It was almost like whoever uh, she trained with, their tactic was to have it really be the opposite of what went down with Donald Trump and to get in and get out. And so she didn't, she had powerful short statements. She had moments where she used even less of her time than was allotted. I don't, I'm not an expert on this, so I don't really know enough about exactly what that style or what, the goal was, um, like I said, you came away saying that was a normal debate. It was boring, though. It was definitely not, like, interesting. I wouldn't say that. And um, she didn't really, like, mollywop him like I wanted her to. They had to be gracious about uh, Trump's virus, Trump having coronavirus, so they couldn't say anything much about that that would be turned against them. Um... But she, you know, I think she won, clearly. Pence is, he just was all, he didn't answer questions. A lot of them didn't answer questions at all. He even posed her some questions. I was like, bitch, I don't have to answer you. I'm not, 
you're not the moderator. So, of course, the, you know, it was the debate that launched a thousand think pieces about women, about speaking up, about, you know, I actually, there was an interesting Twitter exchange in which a very insightful white woman wrote that she saw a lot of women, white women online saying, I am Kamala, like, that is me, and just, you know, taking things too far as you do. Like, you can relate to her as a woman, but you don't have the same stereotype that you are operating against of being aggressive, angry all the time. Like, the things that she is up against as a black woman, you don't. So why can't we just say, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to relating is. You could say you relate, but I think there's just always this way that certain people make it about them at the end, and it's kind of like that colorblindness thing, and it's annoying. Like, the thing, the restraints that Kamala had were because she's a black woman. And then that, and you can't, you don't extricate, you know, being black from being a woman. When you're a black woman, you're both and. We have different stereotypes about us than being, uh, than black men do. You don't just, like, add it. It's not, you know, I think it was Bell Hooks that said that identity is multiplicative. It's not additive. So... Of course, then there were people complaining about this and saying, well, we're just trying to relate to her. And why do you have to da 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 That's like all they said was, she's a black woman. You don't relate to that part. You don't relate to being a black woman. That doesn't mean that we don't experience, you know, similar things when it comes to how men react to certain things. But there's lots of things we don't. I mean, I had a conversation in my house about whether, like, white men ignore you or whether they hold open doors. I'm pretty sure they hold open doors for white women. And stuff. I'm pretty sure white women aren't like, yeah, white men like act like I don't exist. No, because that's your cohort of men, and you have different set of interactions in them with we do with me do. For me, it was like 50-50, get ignored, get treated, you know, like chivalry, whatever. <clears throat> so I don't know. Like it was, it was, it was fine. Like the most interesting thing that happened was that a fly landed on Mike Pence's head for about two minutes. And he stayed there. Fan fiction, this is your moment. I mean, the theories are, like, I heard that he's dead right now. That he is the walking dead. That he's an undead. Nosferatu. He's a corpse. I still think that's his familiar. I also think Herman Cain might have sent the fly. The is haunted. And why shouldn't he be? Because they have the death of 210,000 people on their hands. How do you sleep at night? I wonder if those people, like, they, do they really think things are their fault or not? I, that's interesting. I don't know the answer to that. All right. Thank you for coming back to another episode of Cake and Kombucha, the coronavirus edition. Can't wait till we can talk about that less, right? But yeah, I don't make the current events, guys. This is just... This is just where we are. Um, so take a look at my Instagram this week. I'll be dropping some fun snippets of commentary and, and hot takes. And stay tuned for more information about what's next for the podcast. Thank you. Have a good week. Bye. Cake and Kombucha is produced and hosted by actress, writer, and singer Kilechi Aza. It features music by the talented Melanie J.B. Charles. If you like what you hear, check out MelanieJBCharles.com.